Spirit of living God, fall oh so fresh now on this preacher and those who sit at home and in this sanctuary who have given themselves to you and pledged their allegiance to your son. In his name we pray, amen. The second Sunday in the season of Advent is today. Last week, Michael gave a beautiful, beautiful sermonic illustration and interpretation of what I believe God is calling us to do this Advent season. I believe God wants us to come home to God this season, to analyze all the things the last year or so that may have taken us away from where we belong, our home space, and have us wandering, wandering in the darkness like the prodigal son who left home trying to seek something better than he had already only to come to find out that everything he needed waited for him in the arms of his father once he returned home. Advent. From the Latin Adventus, the coming. We Christians believe that this is a period of preparation for the celebration of Christ, the birth of our Savior. We also believe that this is a season of preparation for the second coming of Christ. Because we too believe that the next thing on God's calendar is the return of the Son of God. Preparation for that second coming means that we must make some decisions now, in the here and now, about where we place our hearts, where we place our allegiance. Brothers and sisters, we must surrender all to God through his precious son, Jesus Christ. I believe that with everything that's going on in God's world, God is looking for a church that has sold out everything and say, for God I'll live and for God I'll die. Whatever you need from me, God, I'm all in. The first advent, the birth of Jesus in a manger. We look back at that time through 21st century lenses. We see it as an enlightening, gay, celebration. But remember, the Bible says that the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. The period before the birth of Jesus was a dark time in the history of Israel. It was darker than 21 months of a satanic pandemic that learns and mutates and adapts darker than a world that seems to have gone mad and human beings are turning on each other. Darker than 15-year-olds 
taking the life of those who are in institutions of learning. It was a dark period in the history of God's people. And did you know that 400 years stood between Malachi when Malachi professed that God was sending someone, that a messenger was coming from God, that salvation was on the way. 400 years between when Malachi made that proclamation and the birth of Jesus. Between the promise of a Messiah and the actual ushering in of the era of salvation with the announcement from John the Baptist, he is one that I'm not fit to tie his shoelaces. In that period, it was a deafening silence. There were no prophets predicting the coming of the king. There was no word from the Lord Nothing that the priest could say, no incense, no animal burnings were giving any kind of knowledge of what God was asking. There was no announcement. There was no handwriting on the wall that dictated what God was going to do next. Just a deafening silence. Malachi, the last prophet of the old covenant prophesied that one was coming 400 years the people of God prayed for deliverance 400 years the people of God prayed for release 400 years years between the prophecy and the fulfillment and the announcement of John the Baptist that Jesus had arrived. It was difficult for the people of God. The holy city Jerusalem was occupied by the Roman army and authority. Friends, in a sense, Jesus was born into a third world context under military dictatorship and military rule. It was a society where everyone was made to do what the Roman government wanted them to do. And that included the priests, the Levites, and the temple worshipers. In that period, about 10% of the population was born to the upper class and they lived a life of luxury. The gap between those who had and those who had not was so wide that when Jesus was on the scene, he said, the poor will always be with us. Most people lived in abject and it was difficult, difficult to remain faithful and believe in the God of Israel. Only the ones that had given their emotions, their mental faculties, everything they had, they gave to Yahweh. 
It was those whose heart remained vigilant. Those, the remnant that believed that God would indeed come. For them, not even 400 years of silence could destroy their hope, could destroy their peace, could destroy their joy and their love that they had in their heart for God. Brothers and sisters, you've heard it said, home is where the heart is. This Advent season, God Almighty wants us to come home to Jesus. God needs us to surrender all we have to the one who left his home to come to this place and show us the way home. Brothers and sisters, God knows how difficult it is to live in the world he created. God knows of the dark times that 2020 and before and 2021 and those to come. God knows how difficult it is to live here. God knows that some errantly place their hopes and their dreams and their peace in the American dream, the dream of working hard, the dream of make all you can so you can provide for your family. But for some of the haves and the have-nots, the American dream is a nightmare, a nightmare of achieving success for the haves, only to realize when they gain these profits that hope and peace and joy and true love does not come from monetary gain. Their happiness comes with more capitalistic success. Why else would some spend billions to build and others spend millions to ride a rocket to the edge of space for 12 minutes? Those that have continued to seek peace through gain, while the gap in America is widening between those that have and those that don't. So wide for some, it doesn't matter what they have to do to feel like they own a piece of a dream. For some, it's white-collar crime. Still, for others, it's buying a $400 pair of sneakers. And it doesn't matter what they have to do to get the money to buy those sneakers because they need to feel that they are part of something that's bigger than themselves. They are living lives that are drowning in memories of broken dreams, wounded hope, and slaughtered aspiration. Friends, God needs us to surrender what we have to his son. God wants to use us so that we can point others to where home 
is. Because my friends, believe it or not, a lot of people place all of their hopes and peace in the church. They come to the church because God has given them a glimpse of the light. They come to the church because God has stirred up something in them that makes them want more. So they come to the church seeking what it is that God has for them. And they mistakenly believe that the light is us, members of the church, instead of the Lord and lamp of the church, Jesus. We were meant to be people who point to where home is, not to try to steal home for ourselves. We make the mistake of teaching people to have a relationship with the church rather than with Jesus Christ. Did you not know that the fastest growing religious group in America are the nuns? Those people who have came to church for whatever reason and been hurt for whatever reason and they've decided that they are spiritual, that they, they believe in a God, but they don't believe in the church. And so they don't attend anybody's church. It is the fastest growing religious sect in America. They come to church seeking Christ and then they discover that we are just human beings. They discover our humanity, that there are people in the church just like in our families at home. I don't know about you, but my older sister was the power broker in our family. Nothing happened unless she gave permission. And if you tried, you were in trouble. The church, it's like that. It's a family. In all my eight years of being a DS, and Randy's here, I'm sure he can testify. One of the biggest problems in the church were people who made the mistake of believing that the church belonged to them. And it was up to them to decide what went on and what didn't go on in the church. I made that mistake myself. They sent me to East St. Louis to start a new church when I first started out in ministry. For the first five years, I had to work a second job just to pay the rent because in those days, there was no congregational development. Your office was the trunk of your car. And so I had to work a second job, which is illegal according to the Methodist discipline. No Methodist pastor can work a second job, but I had to, to feed my kids. And after about 10 years, the ministry began to take off. So much so that we grew to be the largest Methodist church in East St. Louis. After 15 years, The bishop said, it's time for you to move. Move? From my church? 
my church that I sacrificed, my church that I changed toilets, my church that I washed windows, my church that I cried and begged and pleaded that God sends people? And she said, it's not your church. The church belongs to Jesus, the Christ. 400 years between the announcement and the arrival. But Zacharias, now, who had been silent, silent under the frustration that his wife was too old, too barren to have children, silent by the things that were going home through the day, discovered that his wife Elizabeth was not only pregnant with hope, she was pregnant with a son, John the baptizer. And his silence gave way to shouts of joy and happiness. Zechariah's wife was pregnant with the one who would announce the one who we waited on has arrived. Zacharias was so elated that he broke out into a song that became known throughout the years as the Benedictus. The one who predicted the coming of the God of Israel. It may take a while before God gets to what we want God to do. It may take a while for us to understand what God is doing in our world. But my friends, I assure you that God has not abandoned us. God is not mad at us. God still loves us and wants us to realize during this season that wherever you are, God is. And he wants us, he wants us to so utterly depend and so utterly give everything we have to our brother Jesus that God stands waiting for us to stop placing our hope in houses and land stop placing our hope in Washington or Springfield stop placing our hope in errant human beings Will, that will argue more about something that has nothing to do with salvation rather than announce that Jesus is here and Jesus is waiting for you and me. Examine where you are in the life of Christ. Is there anything during this great season of Advent that's preventing you from being all that God wants you to be? Is there any gulf between you and our Savior? If it is, come home this Advent season. Come home to God. He's waiting for us. He loves us. God is going to do great things through you.
but we can't fulfill the dream unless we give it all to God. Let us pray. Spirit of living God, thank you so much for this body of folk that sit in this room. Thank you so much that they come believing that your son did in fact come for us. Thank you so much for those who are at home that want to be here but still know that they are a part of what you are doing. Though they are not able to be in this room today, they still are faithful and they believe in you. Bless us this day and in the days to come that we may be what you hope for us to be. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I pray. Amen. Brothers and sisters, God gives visible and tangible signs of God's love for us. Visible and tangible evidence of what God is calling for us to do. So much so, they thought Jesus was leaving them for good. So he set them down at a table and he said to them, I know that you do this every single day at some point. You break bread, you drink from the cup. But here's what I press upon your heart. Every time that you break bread, Hopefully, you'll break bread together with folks who love God the way you do. But every time you break the bread, remember that this is my precious, precious body that was broken for you. And every time that you take the cup, remember, remember, this is going to be so important for you to remember that this represents my blood that was shed for you so that nothing in this world will be able to take you from the loving arms of God the Father. Bless now these gifts of bread and wine, O God, that they may be for those who partake of them, the body and blood of Jesus our Christ. Amen. The hymn is Old Little Town of Bethlehem.